The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. James and John, sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John, So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. You You may be seated. It's been a great day outside at the Glen as Ruthie Hare and the whole family came, sat in the front row, and we called on Ruth to give a few reflections and memories. And I know many of you in this crowd are friends of hers and have worked alongside of her for years. And uh, so I think uh, she felt good about having this anniversary celebration. And so it was a, it was a blessing. And we had lots of cupcakes uh, to celebrate as well. <clears throat> Let us pray. Our good and gracious Lord, we give thanks for uh, this day. We give thanks for uh, those in our congregation who are saints. All of us are saints. Some of us have different callings, different places we serve. But this day we remember uh, Roland Hare and uh, all the clearing he did to make uh, worship possible in the Glen. And we give thanks for uh, the multifaceted dedication he and his family show and pray that uh, you watch over Ruthie and her family now in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I see we have the picture of the old church. Uh, many of you maybe haven't seen that, but it is, uh, it is indeed where the church, the church that was located right across the street, you can't imagine, um, between the uh, gravestones that are over there and the stop sign on the right side of the street. It was what used to be called Puff's Corner, and if you were here earlier in our career, we had a newsletter called Puff's Corner, which also confused everybody. They thought it was Puff the Magic Dragon. I couldn't understand what that was, but Valentine Puff gave that land to the initial church to be built. And um, I have to just throw in Ruthie this morning said, 
you know how she is. I forgot one story I wanted to tell. Um, when we got married, we got married in the church, and uh, when we stepped out to go across the street, we almost got hit by a 39 pickup <laughs> because Susquehanna Road used to go up and rise up, and so we had to run up and go across the street, and there came the truck, and I thought, well, that would have been a great honeymoon starter, <laughs> but anyway. Well, history has really never been one of my strong suits. You know, the, the World History Channel, um, I can't be bothered with it, and baseball museums, please don't take me there. Uh, they seem dry and boring. However, once again, I've been proven wrong, especially when it's come this week to personal histories of the saints of God. All week, our office has been uh, brimming with um, various staff popping in to see what's going on in the creation of our little historic celebration brochure of Rollins Glen, which I hope you've gotten a copy of. Um, Teresa uh, took the time to put the little black photo corners in that we have in our oldest photo albums to make it look historic. And as they began to read through the various pictures and the concepts and the church, uh, Patty, our, our um, part-time secretary up front, she's starting to say, well where, well, where was this church? And where was the building that Roland grew up in? And so uh, they began to check out more and more of this history. Finally, Charles, our, our uh, our current sexton for the cemetery and such, had to go out with maps and show them physically walking up the hill to show them all the, la the sites where these places were. And so history has blossomed and lived this week in our office. And if you've never been outside, I think most of you have been out to the Glen, uh, to the chapel, um, you know that you maybe have been there for Pet Sunday or maybe for a wedding. We've had a few weddings out there, baptisms by galore this summer. Um, but remember that the Glen today um, has Roland's namesake. And when I first came, there was just a little wooden sign about this big, I swear, but nobody remembers it. Talk about history. Um, I'm sure Al Douglas would, our former pastor. When we walked our dogs out to the creek into the cemetery uh, from our busy day, there was a little bitty sign that said Roland's Glen and a little arrow. That seems to have evaporated. And so I thought it'd be a good time to put a significant uh, cornerstone rock. And so Jack Freeston and I went and picked out the stone you saw during the children's sermon. And you can go see it out there. It's leaning against a tree for future placement wherever we're going with it. But, uh, but so Roland uh, really had foresight to clear some of the trees. Uh, that the glen existed, but he also cleared more of the trees out there. And so he was 26 years on our staff, as you may know. And he and Ruthie also worked in Sunday school as superintendents, I think, for 12 or 13 years. Their kids also had perfect attendance. <laughs> I challenge the parents today to think about that. That's pretty, pretty stunning. Roland Hare was um, uh, a grave digger in many ways, and he even cleared the trees for this current lot where the church now stands. This was solid trees, and he would have some parishioners help him but finally, when they gave out, Roland kept on trucking and kept clearing the trees. So the fact that we can sit here is also a tribute to Roland and not just the outside glen. He'd take all the firewood that were, was gathered from these trees and he would sell it, and all the money went right back into the cemetery fund. His family also joined him in this uh, journey uh, working here. Ruth and the children worked in the summer, grass cutting, trimming headstones, some of them helped dig the graves and snow plowing in the winter, whatever was needed. And this morning, 
uh, their son, David, was here. And he worked with his father out in the cemetery from the time he was nine years old, eight years old, in the summer when he was out of school. And when his dad died um, three years ago, he wanted to dig his dad's own grave, which he did uh, right up outside of the Fellowship Hall area. Roland died in 2013 after 53 years of marriage. And uh, they also lost their son, Rusty, the same year. It was quite a sad year for the family. But Roland labored with fierce dedication, as you know, mostly behind the scenes. And uh, he is indeed uh, a character. When I preached at his funeral, I went around asking some of the uh, older generation uh, some thoughts about Roland. How would they describe him? And this was a few uh, of the comments. Well, he was frank. You always knew where he stood. He was fiery. He was hardworking. He was stubborn. He was outdoorsy. He was a hunter and a fisherman, colorful, responsible, faithful, a good cook. Baked beans were great, and he was tone deaf. So apparently he was not in the choir. He indeed sounded like a mythical hero, doesn't he? Like Paul Bunyan or Superman, able to handle mechanical projects in a single bound. Look, Up at Rose Hill, he can climb a tree, solo, mash his hand between the branches, the broken branches, and still hoist up a chainsaw to cut his own bloody hand free from the tree, which he really did. He can dig a grave with a backhoe in the rain and the snow and the ice, plow the parking lot no matter what time and weather uh, comes his way. And in his heyday, Roland also dressed up as Santa Claus, and this one gives me great joy to think about as the Easter Bunny. Trying to imagine Roland in a full Easter Bunny costume to the delight of the children. And he and Ruth catered countless church dinners. Many of you know and lived all these stories. But he knew what it meant to serve others faithfully and constantly. And from the Gospel of Mark today, we see Jesus reminds his disciples, James and John, of the high cost of servanthood. They came to him initially, James and John, asking for reserved front row seats alongside Jesus when he comes into his glory. Of course, they were still new at this discipleship training module. Who could blame them? Finally, they thought, finally, we're just poor fishermen. We never get any prestige and influence. We always smell like dead fish. And in this society, it's our time to rise. So, They did follow Jesus, and they did see his miraculous ability to heal and make miracles happen all over the place. So they thought, now it's our time to get a piece of the pie, to be given a promotion, should we say, with him up front to the head table of the kingdom of God. We see this all the time, this desire, I guess, for prestige in our political gamesmanship, this election year. If I endorse so-and-so, despite my distaste and regard for their policies and record, it means that I will be given then access to power and influence in my own attempt to run for office. I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. We know all too well the power brokering that takes place in our world, in our jobs, in our professional sports and international trade, 
but we pay a price. It reminds me of the great singer Bob Dylan, whose song I've never even heard of until I prepared this sermon, but apparently others have learned of it in his religious um, revival kind of time of life. And uh, so I'm going to share just two stanzas. It's quite lengthy, uh, but I've asked our band if they might learn it for our use here at worship. And he says, the first line is, you might be a rock. Let me start this again. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command or women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You may be a construction worker working on a home. You may be living in a mansion or you might be living in a dome. You might own guns and you might even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord. You might even own banks. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It seems that following Jesus in a servant lifestyle will cost you if you're going to serve him. Friends, we will suffer and we will sacrifice. We will realize that following in Jesus' footsteps, as you already have many times, perhaps, does not mean living on easy street. That's what James and John were so hoping for, finally a break in our gospel today. But Jesus set them straight. Love, self-sacrificial, humble love, has the power, the greatest power of any to change lives and change hearts. And the abundance of grace in Christ's servant love is the most redeeming force in our world. Author James Howell writes this, We will falter. Our motives will never be wholly pure. But we serve not so we can pat ourselves on the back for our nobility, but as a natural, even supernatural reflex of the love of God living in us, working through us. We may not succeed, but success is never the measure. We serve because that is just how it is with us and God. When Jesus hung on the cross, Rome and all the short-sighted religious ladder climbers thought, oh boy, we won. But no, Easter burst that power of death and dominance and freed us all through Christ's offering to live a new life with a new formula, namely, whoever wants to be great among us must be servant And whoever wishes to be first must be slave of all. Now, Roland was a character, 
a memorable sort. But he served his Lord all the days of his life. So, my friends, we too, we've got to serve somebody in our own unique and unconventional ways in our classrooms or on the soccer team, in the research lab or in the courtroom, on the sales floor. Let us choose Christ Jesus as Lord every time. Let us choose to serve him above all. And by serving one another, especially the poor and the powerless, we will find indeed new life. Amen.